Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 315 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. <laughs> I dropped a episode the other day, um, or maybe last episode or last two episodes, I don't know. And I talked about Damian Lillard. And I talked about how I feel bad for Damian Little a lot of times because of how good he is. But I also understand that at least this iteration of Portland is not really going anywhere. Well, that's kind of been taken misconstrued. So that's where I'm going to start this episode off. Um, Damian Little dropped 71 the other day. And... Damian Lillard, in my opinion, is a top 10 point guard of all time. When we talk about, yes, there are more accomplished point guards. I mean, you know, there there are more accomplished point guards. But I think with Damian Lillard's skill set, with what he, how important he is to the league, with his shooting ability, with just the, the, the complete package, maybe outside of defense, Damian Lillard is a top 10 point guard of all time. I think that behind, when we talk about shooters, you know, we always talk about Steph. We always talk about, you know, Clay, Ray Allen. I think that Damian Lillard's name, I think Damian Lillard is probably a top five to eight shooter of all time. You know, we talk about Reggie Miller. We talk, He may even be better Reggie Miller, honestly. When we talk about clutch shots, when we talk about from how deep he's shooting and just how how he's able to get his shot off at any moment and how accurate it is, Damian Lillard is Damian Lillard. Like I, he he is him. <laughs> but he, and, and I will say congratulations for dropping seventy one points. Like. I think we are. I, we talk about the scoring boom and and how this is the highest score, one of the highest scoring seasons we've ever seen. We've seen multiple fifty point games. We've seen multiple sixty point games. This is the second seventy point game we've seen this year. Shouts out to uh, Donovan Mitchell. We did a couple or did a couple weeks ago. This is a scoring boom, yes. And I also understand. I mean, we just saw the. A game finished, and I think it was double overtime. It was one seventy nine to like one seventy or one seventy six to one seventy four, something like that. This, you know, this is the age of scoring. Damian Lillard has been placed in this best age for him possible because his scoring ability is better than. Uh, I kind of, you know what? I kind of rival Damian Lillard's scoring, like I look at Steph Curry at times. No. I'm not saying Damian Lillard is better than Seth Curry, but what I am saying is Damian 
One of the biggest reasons, and, and it kind of goes to my point, my overall point, and why, yet again, I feel it doesn't feel good in in a sense seeing Damian Lillard drop 71 points. And I say that it doesn't feel good in a sense because I look at a player as good as Damian Lillard. Now, I understand the whole super team thing. I don't. Super teams are, if there's multiple super teams, cool. But I don't want to build. Like, I don't want to see a team that, like, the Golden State Warriors, that was a, a Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors, that was a, a, a time where, while basketball was fun and I'm a basketball, I love basketball, it was, it was kind of like, all right, we know who's going to win it all, you know. I don't want that again. But, and I'm not even saying I want Damian Lillard on a super team, but what I'm saying is Damian Lillard just dropped 71 points. And his team is still under 500. And I fear that, and you know how, people know how I feel about this whole loyalty thing in sports. I think it's BS. I think I like the fact of being loyal. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's great. But a team will ship you out in a heartbeat. Like, a team will get you out of here in a heartbeat. So a team isn't really loyal to you, but the whole loyalty thing is cool. Shouts out to you, Dame. But what I'm saying is, it just <laughs> all I was watching, first of all, one of the biggest reasons why the Portland Trailblazers, who was going against the Houston Rockets, needed all 71 of those points. They didn't win by that much against the Rockets, which, by the way, is one of the worst defense in the league. Now, do not hear me say that and say, I'm not taking away from 71 points. 71 points is incredible. Like, hell. And Damian Lillard is his third player, I think, in NBA history to score multiple 60-point games. I know, or multiple 60-point games in the season. I know uh, it's Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe, and I think Dame. Not even, not even Jordan did that. Not even LeBron, you know. So, congratulations to Damian Lillard again for dropping 71 points. But it's just, and the whole conversation. You know why the conversation of loyalty comes up every time we talk about Damian Lillard or every time Damian Lillard does something like this? Is because we know people know that the team that he's on, even though you have Jaron Grant, the team that he's on has no chance of winning a championship. And I feel players that good, as good as hell. I just said I feel Damian Lillard is a is a top ten point guard of all time. To be a top ten point guard of all time and have absolutely no shot of winning a super a championship is crazy to me. Like, like don't get me wrong. Here we go. If, if if we want to do this, let's look at the standings right now. Because Damian, the the Portland Trailblazers are currently eleventh. Looking at what we've seen this entire year, the only shot I give Portland doing anything is because they have Damian Lillard on this team. But if you think. I don't see I don't see Portland if they were able to match up with these people. I don't see Portland going up 
beating a Denver, beating a Grizzlies, beating a Kings, beating a Suns, especially with KD now, beating the Clippers. They Actually, I really don't see them beating the Mavericks, even though we'll talk about the Mavericks in a second. I don't see them beating Golden State. I can see them beating Utah. I don't know about Minnesota, especially with Carl Anthony Towns when he comes back. I don't know about the New Orleans Pelicans, especially with Zion coming back. Hell, we'll talk about the Lakers in a second, but I don't know if they beat the – what I'm saying is this. I feel that a person as good as – I would love to see a person as good as Damian Lillard actually have a realistic shot of winning a championship, and I don't think he has that. Even And it's not because of him. Don't get me wrong. It's not because of him. Damian Lillard is one of the best players in the league. But it's crazy how you can be one of the best players in the league and have no shot. None. And this is even with the West being as wide open as it is. So congratulations again to Damian Lillard for dropping 71. Again, I don't take that's not a light stat. People just don't drop 71 every day. In fact, I think there's only been, what, four people that's ever dropped, no, five people that's ever dropped more than 70 or 70 or more, which is what, Wilt, Kobe, um, Wilt, Kobe, Dame, Devin Booker, and Donovan Mitchell. So that is rare air to be in. So shouts out to Damian Lillard, man. Um, yeah, man. Shouts out to Damian Lillard, bro. Let's move forward. Um, <laughs> this next story kind of hits home for me. Um, so don't be surprised if I give a little bit more energy to this next topic than I usually would. So Carson Wentz uh, is was what two days ago was released by Washington. That saves Washington like twenty six million or whatever. Um, you know, I remember when we when Washington got Carson Wentz. I said, well, no, I didn't want Carson Wentz on the team because I didn't think he had much left as far as goodness. Uh, I was, I I remember saying, you know, who else were we going to get? We shot for Russell Wilson, didn't hit. I think we shot for Patrick Mahomes for what has been told, didn't hit. Shot for Aaron Rodgers, didn't hit. Hell, so it was really up to what? Carson Wentz and and Jimmy Garoppolo. Nothing about what transpired last season or the season that just passed in Washington should have been surprising to anybody. Carson Wentz getting hurt. Carson Wentz not working out. Dysfunction all over the place from the offensive coordinator to uh, 
to the head, to the to the head coach to of course ownership we know about that I feel two things with this Carson Wentz news on one hand I feel I mean I feel I guess relief saying I mean it is what it is you know Carson Wentz and I'm glad we don't I mean, he wasn't really doing much for us in the positive, and now Washington doesn't have to put up $26 million to a guy that probably not even going to start for us next year. But on the other hand, or the, the other feeling that I'm feeling is just like, this is, this, this is the proof. This is the this is the makings or not the makings. This is the proof that you are dealing with a poverty franchise. And the proof is this. Everybody knew once you got Carson Wentz that it wasn't going to work. I guess everybody outside of Washington. No, I don't think that, you know. I, I, I don't think that Taylor Heineke is the future. But when you have players, it's like, no, we want to play with Taylor Heineke. Like, I just. <sighs> what I'm saying is this, man. Probably franchise or franchises would make moves like this. That everyone around you knows that this is not going to work. Everyone knows. Everyone but you. <laughs> I don't know what's next for Carson Wentz. I have absolutely no idea what's next for Carson Wentz. First and foremost, Carson Wentz scoffed and and kind of balked at being from from reports. I don't know. I don't know him personally, but reports are saying that Carson Wentz was very reluctant and hesitant. To the to the idea of coming off the bench. Um, but not only coming off the bench, but I understand you don't want to pay that man as much twenty six million or whatever to be a bench player. Who he's not Chase Daniels. Remember Chase Daniels was making like more than the. <laughs> there was a certain point where Chase Daniels was making like more than the the starting quarterback that's crazy man it's so i don't know what's next for carson wins maybe he can go to the i don't i don't know i mean there are multiple teams that need a starting quarterback but do you think that carson wins at least right now is a starting quarterback like i know the bucks need a starting quarterback I know the Raiders need a starting quarterback. I know the 49ers probably need a starting quarterback, but do you trust Carson Wentz in being a starting quarterback? My answer is no. But my answer doesn't really matter in this sense. <laughs> um, and man, Carson Wentz is out of here. One season in Washington. One season in Washington. 
if that doesn't, I mean, maybe he could, maybe he could be off uh, a a backup. I know Dem, uh, Dem, not Denver. What's the names? The Dolphins need a need a backup quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But this is. I, you know, and that's that's one of the. I also feel bad for Eric Bieniemy, man. Because don't get me wrong, Sam Howell showed showed flashes in the preseason and, of course, the last game of the season against Dallas. But I mean, do you think Sam Howell is taking you to the promised land? That is, that's pretty much what you have to ask yourself. And I don't believe so. But what do I know? I don't know. Uh, Shouts out to Washington for getting off Carson Wentz. And I guess we're going to see what's next for Carson Wentz. I don't I don't see him being the starting quarterback in the foreseeable future. But what do I know? Nothing. So let's move forward, man. Um, mm. Let's talk about LeBron, man. So LeBron James is out. LeBron James is out. And we're hearing multiple different reports. We're hearing some people say that the minimum is two to three weeks with an ankle injury. Some people saying that he's he more than likely could be out for the rest of the season. Uh they were playing against Dallas. He went had a he felt a pop in his ankle. People are surprised and confused as to how he was able to play the rest of the game, which the Lakers did complete the largest comeback of the season, at least, uh, being down 27 points and coming back and winning against Dallas, how he was able to play the rest of the game. And those people, I understand that they don't get what adrenaline does to people. (laughs) For instance... I had a fractured I had a fractured ankle. I fractured my ankle. Uh and while no, I am not a world class athlete, I didn't do it while, you know, being the face of the Lakers or the face of the NBA. I was able to play through a fractured ankle. Now, yes, the fractured ankle then turned to a break because I shouldn't have played, but adrenaline does that to you. So I understand you know, if LeBron's chase he f- says he felt a pop, the adrenaline's kicking, you need this game. They, you know, bada bing, bada boom. But now we are here. And LeBron James could miss a minimum of two to three weeks, uh, which also reports are saying from credible people saying that he could miss the rest of the season or at least the rest of the regular season. Um, One, this is a this is a huge, huge blow for the Lakers. The Lakers look like they were getting they they were turning the ship. You know what I mean? They had a big a big free well a big trade deadline. You know pieces that they got for trade deadline: uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. They look like they were fitting. Now D'Angelo Russell was hurt as well, which this LeBron James injury now turns that injury lar- or makes that injury larger. But. The question is, can the Lakers survive without LeBron James? And when I say survive, play themselves. I mean, right now, currently, they are in the 12th seed. 
they're trying to play themselves into a play-in or even as best as the playoffs. Here's the thing. In order to do that, in order to keep afloat, in order they have they have the easiest schedule down the road. However, coming up, they have some tough opponents. I mean, they have Memphis twice, they have Golden State, you know. In order for the Lakers to keep afloat, we're going to need to see an Anthony Davis that we saw a glimpse of earlier this season. We're going to need to see a glimpse. We're going to need to see the Anthony Davis that people ask and people debate, is he better than Giannis Antetokounmpo? I know, I know, I know. How is uh, look? Anthony Davis, in my opinion, when he's at his best, is more skilled than Giannis. I just think Giannis has a motor, has a drive that Anthony Davis does not. But you have a superstar on the team, Anthony. Don't get me wrong. Skill set wise, maybe not not in the sense of accomplishment or whatever, but. Intangibles wise or or just skill wise, Anthony Davis is a superstar. And you have a superstar on this roster. I think we're going to need to see an Anthony Davis that was dominating. That remember when he scored like 50, 59 or whatever, or 53 or something in Washington this year? Like if we get that Anthony Davis, the Lakers are gonna be okay. Again, I think Malik Beasley fits in really well, and he's been playing well. Vanderbilt has been like a godsend to the Lakers. Now, the injury to D'Angelo Russell now gets amplified because of the injury to LeBron James because it takes yet another, you know, floor operator or floor general off the floor. But I think we're going – we're really going to see what the Lakers are made of with this this LeBron James – I don't know, man. It it's tough. It's it's tough because I we see how important LeBron James to this is to the to the Lakers. We also see Anthony Davis has been slumping. Like he has been in a funk and a slump these past few weeks. Uh, now I don't know if that's going to change or get rectified with the LeBron James injury, and now you know it, it it kind of opens. You need Anthony Davis to be better, but I hear a lot of people say, "Can Anthony Davis lead you to a title?" Uh, no. And I say that because we saw Anthony Davis at least. I don't think there's there is not a solo act in this league that can lead you to a championship. Hell. We just talked about Dame at the top of the show. Dame is is a perfect uh, perfect example of a solo act not being able to lead someone to a championship. Damian Lillard, again, is one of the best players in the league and, and is so far from a championship, it's not even funny. 
when you have teams like the Golden State Warriors, even though they're kind of, you know, we don't know what the hell's going on with them, but you you have that nucleus. When you talk about the Suns, when you talk about the the uh, the Denver Nuggets, when you talk about the Grizzlies, hell, we can even go over to the East. When you talk about the Boston Celtics, when you talk about the Bucks, the Sixers, they have a they have multiple people that can get it done for you. Anthony, and while, yes, Malik Beasley is a good piece to the Lakers and Vanderbilt is a good piece to the Lakers, you need LeBron James. At least if you have championship. First of all, you need, we're not really talking, we shouldn't be talking about championship right now. We're just talking about getting into the playoffs. The Lakers are the 12th seed. To get into the plane, I think you need to be 10th, 10th to 7th or something. I think we're again we're going to need to see the Anthony Davis that one the Lakers need and the Lakers expected to get this entire season. And again, we did see flashes of this Anthony Davis before he got hurt. Hell, I even put a clip out, put a video out saying Anthony Davis was balling because he he were hooping because he was. Anthony Davis was looking like the Anthony Davis that gives some people like he was putting fifty birds, like you know what I'm saying. But this LeBron, this this, if we, if you don't get the Anthony Davis that you need, or you get the Anthony Davis that we've seen these last few weeks, the season's done. And when I say season is done, there's absolutely no shot to do anything because the Anthony Davis that we've seen is not going to get it done. Especially even though the West is wide open, it is still loaded. Hell, I didn't say nothing about the Clippers. Hell, Dallas, Dallas, they did come back and beat Dallas, but Dallas also was up 27 points. Minnesota, they're in the ninth spot right now. They, they, Anthony Edwards, you know. Towns coming back. Rudy Gobert is coming back. I don't know what we're going to get out the Lakers. I really don't. Um, but I know I, I. this is really a defining moment, not only for Anthony Davis, but for this Lakers organization right now. LeBron James is out minimum two to three weeks. And you're fighting for your playoff lives. Let's see. Or you're fighting for your life to get into the playoffs, at least to play in. Let's see what's going to happen. And you have a player in Anthony Davis that can get you there. I'm not saying you have a player or a team that can win you a championship. What I'm saying is you have a player that can get you to the at least the plan with, with LeBron James being gone. Let's see what happens. Let's move forward. I am a, I am a very huge proponent of change at times. Needed change. Let me say that. I am a huge proponent of needed change. Some things just need changing. And I have also been very vocal when it comes to standing on the on the on the soapbox for the MLB needing change. 
the MLB, in my opinion, has has just continued to be passed by other sports, NFL, basketball. I mean, you can argue. I mean, it's still quote unquote America's pastime, but even hockey is getting up there in, in popularity. I mean, you have a hundred and what sixty two games, each one being four hours, pretty much. Nobody got time. Nobody wants to see that, especially, especially if your team is not playoff or not good. However, the MLB has listened, I guess, and they brought they 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 made some changes. You know, they've made a pitch clock, or they 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 brought back a pitch clock. They have, I think, a mounds clock. Like you have eight seconds to get ready, or it's like a strike or something. Now that has come. It's a different game at this point. I think the quickest, uh, the quickest preseason or or off season game, whatever you want to call it, has been like two hours and seven minutes. Do you understand how how incredible that is? <laughs> now, now I know I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I know this, but. A two-hour game is a lot more tolerable than a three-and-a-half, four-hour game, especially game 75 of a 162-game season. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, that are, are for shortening an NBA season. An NBA season is, is 82 games. What 82 games in the games are nowhere close to the length of a baseball game. Now you've, we've had some, you know, we've had some pitchers and we've had some players that, of course, have struggled with the change or noticed the change a lot more than others. That's understandable. That's understandable. I mean, do you know how crazy it is to think that a baseball game is under, like, under two, under two, two and a half hours, three hours? I think this is good for baseball. I think. Baseball needs change, and I think that this is the first steps. Now, yes, they have introduced a pitch clock before. I don't know why it went away, but we're back. I think that this is going. This is exactly what baseball needs. I think that it needs a fresh start. I think that it needs the ability to to draw in fans, and the way that it has been going about itself, the old-fashioned way, has not been drawing new fans. Like think about it. I don't. I don't hear a lot of people. Now, don't get me wrong. There's. I don't talk to everyone in the world. I'm not saying that my viewpoint is the end all, be all. But I don't see a lot of people jumping for joy to watch baseball like that. Now, yes, they are saying that you know you go to a park, you go to a field, that it's it's different. It's a good experience. But you're going for the experience. You're not going for the game. In fact, the only time I really hear any excitement about baseball is if a player, i.e. Aaron Judge, is doing something, uh, Shoei Otani is doing something, or you're, they're in the playoff. They're in March. Or no. They're in uh, October. So I think that while, yes, there are a lot of people that aren't happy about uh, the the pitch clock and aren't happy about the changes and and how they're trying to speed up the game. I think that it's it's that's this is one step to really 
help baseball in in more ways than one. You know what I mean? It's just, boy, again, four-hour games is long, bruh. Long, again, four-hour game for it to end like one to two is insane to me. And and it's obviously insane to baseball because they're changing. So, shouts, as a person that's (laughs) very critical at times of baseball, I think that they've got it right. I think that this is a, this is a really good step into improving the game that is baseball and improving the MLB and improving the watching experience. That's that where I think is the where it suffers the most is the watching experience for the fan. And the fact that they're doing this, speeding up the game and making it faster, making it more understandable and more uh, palatable for uh, for the consumer is 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 great to me. So there's that, man. Let's move forward. Quinn Snyder is the new or is now yet yeah, the new head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I think the Atlanta Hawks. I, I said this when the whole Nate McMillan firing happened. The Atlanta Hawks are kind of in a mini reset. Now, usually if you want to do a full-blown reset, there are players that's going to have to go. I I look at the Atlanta Hawks. They're currently eighth right now in the East. I think the Atlanta Hawks view themselves differently than what they really are. I don't think they have hindsight in, or I don't think they have self- awareness of who they exactly are first and foremost i think that getting dan snyder was a good a a good fit even though i do think it's kind of crazy how fast dan snyder got the job compared to how you know nate mcmillan getting fired i'm not i'm not saying anything but what i'm saying is nate mcmillan was fired on a friday it seems like quinn snyder got the job on a sunday that's all i'm saying in black history month too that's all I'm saying. But I think the Atlanta Hawks view them. They don't really have the self-awareness that they should have. I understand that you have a young star in Trey Young. I also, stand you, I also understand you have some really good pieces. You have DeJounte Murray that you got this offseason. You have John Collins, which, by the way, has been in the trade talk forever. And it looks like he's going to stay for a while. Uh, you have Clint Capella. Like, you have some good pieces. And while I've had my doubts and had my concerns and had my questions about does a DeJounte Murray, Trey Young team really work? Because while DeJounte Murray plays defense, Trey Young does not. And they both need the ball in their hands to be successful. And as we've seen this year, it hasn't really worked out the best. Now, this is what I mean when I say that. I feel I feel the Atlanta Hawks, right? The Atlanta Hawks 
do not have the self-awareness. I think the Atlanta Hawks, because they have a Trey Young like DeJounte Murray, they look at themselves as a team that should be a top team in the East. I also look at, you know, just a couple years ago, just maybe two or three years ago, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. But let's let's be completely honest about the Atlanta Hawks here. There's no way. Even coming into this season, there's no way that I would have put the Atlanta Hawks in the same category as the Milwaukee Bucks or the Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers or even a team like the Miami Heat or before KD and Kyrie left, the Brooklyn Nets. And honestly, when we look today, if this playoff started today and they got in, I wouldn't have them beating the Celtics or not Celtics. I wouldn't have them beating a Cleveland Cavaliers team or a New York Knicks team. That has been a lot better than I thought. Shouts out to Jalen Brunson. So while, yes, I think that Quinn Snyder was a really good piece. What like (laughs) what's what's. What's really happening here? Like, do you do you think that with Quinn Snyder now you're you're uh and 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 I, here's something that I struggle with at times when it comes to basketball. Sometimes I can be very black and white when it comes to uh, when it comes to a team in their direction. And when I say I can be very black and white, I look at it as you're either a playoff team or or you're either a championship caliber team or you're not. That doesn't I understand that there's a gray area there, but it kind of feels like teams make moves kind of the way I see it is if you're a playoff team or you're not. And if you're not for a lot of teams, they just go straight to tanking. Now, no, I don't think the Atlanta Hawks can tank, but I do think they need to switch the direction. Because with the team that they have, they are not winning anything. It, it, I, we, I saw a little article, not little, let me not disrespect the article. I saw the article like which team should be on the panic, and I agree with that arguable. Argue, arguable. <laughs> I agree with the arguable. What the world? I agree with the article. The Atlanta Hawks, they should be panicking. Because even with Quinn Snyder, I don't see them making any noise in the Eastern Conference, which is the undoubtedly or undoubtedly, yeah, undoubtedly weaker conference. So I guess we'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? Let's move forward. Uh, Leangelo or Lamelo Ball is out for the season with a broke or a fractured ankle. Um, now the the Charlotte Hornets, you know, they are 14th in the East, but Lamelo Ball it has had a really good season and has been one of the best young players in the league. So it's very unfortunate that he is out. Uh, I I wish nothing but a speedy recovery. Again, a fractured ankle is that's a what that's 
months that you're going to be out because you have to let it heal and everything, depending on the severity of the fracture. It could be weeks. It could be months. I don't know. But and I'm not, I don't think that this changes anything in the Eastern Conference. And I'm not putting all that on LaMelo. Uh, but he is one of the best young players. And he was having an incredible season. So it's unfortunate. And I wish nothing but a speedy recovery for LaMelo Ball. And lastly, before we go, um, so Jake Paul, I stayed away from talking about this uh, on this platform, but we're here. Jake Paul fought Tommy Fury, which is the younger brother of Tyson Fury, who is a two-time world heavyweight champion in boxing. Jake Paul fought Tommy Fury and lost. This hands Jake Paul his first, I guess, professional loss. Um, here's why I think this is, uh, I'm not going to say the beginning of the end for Jake Paul. I mean, he did just win like 30 mil or whatever. I think that this is the... This really shows you he's not really a legit boxer. Oh, no, no, no. Let me not say that because he beat me in the boxing ring. I tell you that. (laughs) Jake Paul. This is why you should question his boxing legitimacy as far as a professional boxer. Um, I think he has talent. Again, he's better than me in a boxing ring. I'm I'm not I'm not here throwing dirt on Cuz's name. That's just not what we doing. But Jake Paul and of course we all saw the interaction he had with Bomani Jones on his show. But Jake Paul has fought prior to Tommy Fury. He's fought nothing but retired MMA fighters and a basketball player and that was his that was his resume and there was a lot of people that were questioning if Jake Paul is a legit fighter because he hasn't really fought a legit boxer well his first Go at it, fighting a legit boxer, you lose. And the and the the, the biggest, in my opinion, uh, now yes, it was a split decision, but the biggest indictment on this loss is Tommy Fury didn't even look good. Tommy Fury looked slow while he was big. He just outlanded punches, like he outpunched uh, Jake Paul. Now yes, there was a, a point where. Jake Paul did knock um, Tommy Fury to the to the ring to the ground, but Tommy Fury got up and and just started piecing cuz. So there were questions about your legitimacy as a boxer. The one time that you fought a legit boxer, a legit boxer that didn't really look good himself, you lose. I think, I mean, I think that there's a lane for what Jake Paul does. 
as far as you know get entertaining fights fight people that you know maybe aren't legit fighters as far as boxers but you know there he has carved a lane out for himself but i think this has answered a lot of questions maybe in the worst way about Jake Paul and and his fighting ability because I always wondered that. I always wondered, all right. So you're you're claiming that you're a legit boxer and you're claiming that you are one of the top boxers in the world. Why don't you fight a legit boxer? And now I will clearly see why. <laughs> um I just and now they're probably going to do a rematch, but the rematch is not going to get the same cachet that the first fight because, again, the aura and the allure of the Jake Paul experiment is over. Because the you've seen Tommy, don't get me wrong, Tommy Fury is not a top boxer in the slightest. And Jake Paul had a time with this man to the point where he lost. So it's like, what are we doing? So I just think that was the worst case scenario. And it it there are some people that are saying it was a close fight, but there's a lot of people that are saying it wasn't. And if it wasn't for Tommy Fury getting knocked down, I think Jake Paul probably would have won just a round, maybe the first. So, you know, I don't know what's next for Jake Paul. Again, I'm not saying it's over with for him. I'm just saying his uh, fighting day or fighting real boxers or whatever may need to chill out. That's all I'm saying. So, I actually want to speak on this before we leave. This is, I promise you guys, this is the last topic. So Deion Sanders came out and, you know, there's a sound bite that's going around. Now, mind you, I didn't hear the entire interview. So this entire opinion is coming from the sound bite that has been going around. I will preface it by saying that I did not watch the entire interview. But there is a soundbite going around that I think Deion Sanders was on the Rich Eisman show and Rich asked him about recruiting. And Deion Sanders went on to pretty much say when they're looking for a quarterback, of course, looking for a standout person that has you know, a two-family, two-parent household, uh, this, that, and the third. Has, you know, 3.5 scholar, you know, 3.5 grades, great. But when you're looking for, like, a defensive player, you want someone that's struggled. You want someone that has, you know, maybe one parent has to struggle all their life, you know. Here's the problem with that soundbite that's come out. 
this has that has been the stigma for for since football and recruiting has really started and that's why you see a lot of how do I say this I'm I'm struggling to put this I ha, I know what my thoughts are my thoughts are very clear on it I'm just struggling to put it into words I'm not calling Deion Sanders racist. Do not hear me. I'll never call Deion Sanders racist. And I'm not saying he's coming from a racist place or a racial place. But the rhetoric that he spoke is from a racist mindset. I see a lot of people saying that, you know, owners and, and, and colleges, that's how they base their recruiting, which is true. But there should be no question at this point why it's been harder for African-Americans to succeed as a in the quarterback realm than it is for an African-American to succeed as a defensive player or, or a wide receiver or a running back. Because what what Deion Sanders was speaking to and what Deion Sanders spoke to was what owners and how owners view people or view athletes. Owners think that a person that comes from a single family household that has struggled growing up did not, does not have the capabilities and the, the ability to be a, a quarterback. And again, I am not calling Deion Sanders racist in the slightest, but when you look statistically, who is the brace that has statistically been in a single parent household that has struggled growing up? African Americans. Which is also why there has been a huge stigma as to why African Americans do not. I put out a clip. I put out a clip about uh, the Super Bowl and about Jalen Hurts going against Patrick Mahomes and how I said that, or in that video, I expressed how how refreshing it is to see two African-American quarterbacks play football in, in the biggest game, which is the Super Bowl, and play at a high level. Because of the stigma that has been put on African-American quarterbacks. And what Deion Sanders spoke to is exactly why. What's... I understand that some people are saying, well, you know, there are African-Americans that come from two family households. So he's not talking about white people. And I get that. That's why I'm not calling him racist. And that's why I'm not saying that he is coming from a racial place. But the rhetoric that he spoke, the, the origins of that rhetoric is a racial thing. And it's unfortunate that a man 
that just that is at the pinnacle that has been at the pinnacle of football. When we talk about there's not a lot of players. When we talk about the greatest players in NFL history, there's not a lot of players that we talk about before we get to Deion Sanders. Then we also understand, you know, the the change and the turnaround that Deion Sanders has has made at Jackson at Jackson State University, HBCU. So a man that comes from an HBCU and then understands just how, and as a black, that understands how tough it can be for African Americans says this on a Caucasian platform, by the way. Hmm. It's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate because I hear a lot of people clapping and applauding what he said. And and a lot of people that I hear clapping and applauding for it aren't African-Americans. And I hear a lot of people that are upset about what he said. And unfortunately... The, people, the main people that are upset are African Americans, and we know why. But there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link's in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. Uh, please subscribe to the social medias. All the links are in the description below. I appreciate all of you guys. I appreciate everyone that continues to support. Definitely means a lot to me. Uh, I appreciate everyone that's subscribing, man. It, it, it means it means a whole hell of a lot. Uh, but until next time, much love.
friendly. I don't fuck with nobody, bitch. I'm not friendly. I don't leave the crib without my gun, without my semi. Yeah. Yeah. I don't leave without my hemi. I got lots of money inside my bag, lots of cash on me. I don't get no fuss, I don't get no fuss at all. I got bucks, I got these bucks around. I got cash, your ass who poppin' now. Whoa. Why they tryna jam my fucking sound? Whoa. I got too many flows, too many sounds. Whoa. <laughs> we ain't pull up just to fuck around. Whoa. Fuck the law, fuck your money. I got all them honey bunnies. I got him.